Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Wednesday, December the 29th, and wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace, God's life, God's beauty within your day today. So we continue, my friends, through what is called the octave of Christmas. Now, we we Catholics, here's what we do. Uh, Christmas and Easter particularly, um, I will just kind of stop and talk about those two, but they both have what's called octaves. What that means is we don't celebrate Christmas just on December the 25th. It means we celebrate it for eight days. It in itself, of course, is a season, like the season of Easter is 50 days, but we celebrate Easter Day for eight days from Easter Sunday to the Sunday after it, now called Divine Mercy Sunday, for those eight days in that octave we celebrate Easter. Well, the same for Christmas from this past Saturday, December 25th, through this coming Saturday, January 1st, we celebrate Christmas. So what we celebrate today on this Wednesday is the fifth day of Christmas. So my friends, Merry Christmas. Uh, we are going to jump back to Luke. Luke chapter 20 or chapter 2. Uh, recall that we read the Lucan uh, narrative, uh, infancy narrative, on Christmas Day. It was that gorgeous one. We read it last Christmas Eve, last Friday. So we're just a couple of uh, verses behind that. So today we're going to read Luke 2. A little bit longer, verses 22 to 35. So let's dive in and hear what the Word of God has for us today through Luke. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read this middle paragraph again. 
Lord, now let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you prepared in the sight of everybody. Everybody's going to see this. A light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people Israel. That's so good. How does God reveal? Well, I won't even I won't even go down that road. The last line, the glory of your people Israel, doesn't mean, hey, everybody look at Israel and look how great they are. The glory of Israel is what they put forward to everybody. The, the glory of Israel is the gift that they give to the world, this light that they give to the nations that came through them. It'd be like, okay, the Zenk family having a child and and the glory of the Zenk family is giving this child to the world. It wouldn't be, look at us, how cool we are. It'd be like, look at this gift that this child carries and gives it to the world. Okay, poor analogy. It just kind of came to me on the spot. Wasn't great. But that whole idea that, that Christ was not meant just for the Hebrew people. It wasn't a, a savior of their clan or of their tribe, although it was. But that'd be too small, right? That he was destined for everybody. It was the gift that they gave us. How good of them to do that. My gosh. Okay, two points. And and we're just going to kind of move through them. So we talk about before, sorry, before I get to the point, little history. When the days were completed for their purification... Um, so just, uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Um, so in Jew, according to Jewish law on the eighth day, on the eighth day, Jesus would be circumcised. And, uh, and that was according to Jewish law. Now that was something that was done, um, probably in the local synagogue. You wouldn't take somebody to the temple to do that. But... On the 40th day, uh, the, the parents, because if it was a, if it was a male child, the, the male child, um, uh, uh, the woman uh, had 40 days of purification. It was ritual purification because of all the blood that was involved. And so ultimately Mary was being purified here, as well as Jesus who was involved in the, with the blood. So their purification is Mary and Jesus right here. They're both, in a sense, being purified, although it was Christ's first entry into the temple. And so that's what was happening. Uh, don't blame the messenger here if you say, boy, that's crazy. You know, a woman by her own childbirth was, was made ritually impure. Well, that's, that's how it was viewed at the time. Um, and so that's what's taking place is that 40th day now. And so it, when, it would be when we celebrate Candlemas. Uh, if you've ever heard that word, it's the 40th day after Christmas, which is February 2nd. Now we look at it more as Groundhog Day, but it's really the Feast of Candlemas. And uh, it is the Candle Mass, and it is Mary's Purification. It used to be called that. 
Anyway, two points, two points, just a little history of what's going on here. And so when we celebrate uh, the joyful mysteries, sorry, more history, uh, and the fourth joyful mystery is the presentation in the temple. This is what we're celebrating, this feast. Okay, okay. The first is this. How often, my friends, and again, no judgment here, but, but something to bring before us, because I think it's good for us to know this. How often do we play the role of Simeon? How often do we actively look for the Christ in our world? And how blessed are we on those days when God reveals God's self? Because you know God does do that. I think God is present, gosh, so often. This is my theory. Throw it out if you don't like it. But I really do think God is present so often. But I think my, my issue is I'm not looking for him. I'm not prepared to see him. And therefore, the moment passes. I mean, Simeon could have been looking the other direction. Even, you know, going out for, a, you know, getting a, a drink at the drinking fountain there at the temple. And, uh, and just, you know, chatting with the, the neighbor there about the latest gossip when Mary and Joseph passed by with the child, and he could have missed it. That moment for which he had been waiting all his life and hoping for. Brothers and sisters, I suspect we do that all the time. But our God is present to us. What can you and I do today? Today. In order to begin a habit, right? To begin, you know, got to begin today. What can we do today to be more present to where Christ is, is living and walking and breathing and passing by in front of us this day? And can we, as Simeon does, take that moment, take that experience up into our arms and say, Lord, you can take your servant, for you have kept your word. I have seen you. I know you to be real. I know you to be present. And it is so good. It is so good. Point number one, God is present. God is present. How can we be present to God? Point number two, you know, at the end here, this is, this is it, it's good because, you know, well, I, won't, I don't want to say it's good. It's, it's just the reality of it. You know, the shadow of the cross hangs over this, this reading, doesn't it? Even as the child is an infant, the shadow of the cross hangs over it. Because Simeon doesn't shy away from that. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. If somebody's going to be a sign that contradicts and the rise and fall of many, it's going to be somebody who causes division. It's going to be somebody that people either have to be for or against or look and see, boy, there's no lukewarmness in this one. This is where this person stands. And of course, we know where that leads. We lead, that leads to the cross. But my point here is the, the line, almost a throwaway line that he says to Mary, and you yourself a sword will pierce. Why? And, and I, I suspect he would have said it to Joseph had Joseph uh, lived as well. 
um, because Joseph, after the, the finding of Jesus in the temple at 12 years old, just kind of disappears. So we suspect, of course, he passed away somewhere in those, in those years. But again, I think there's something not only about Mary as the new Eve, not only about Mary uh, as, uh, as, you know, this, this woman whom we, we revere and, and bless throughout the ages, but Mary as mother. As, and and I, I just don't know that there's any bond stronger than that of a mother and a child because of that nine months spent together, because of, of just that life-giving aspect. And so when a child is hurt, when, when violence is inflicted upon them, I think the mother feels that as well and agonizes it over it. And, and so I think what Simeon is pointing to with Mary is he's pointing to today as well. And here's my point, and I'll, and I'll be done. Brothers and sisters, violence is still, it's almost the air we breathe in our world, isn't it? It happens everywhere, from the battlefields, wherever they are, to the middle school classrooms, and, and the shaming and naming that, it, that goes on there. And when our children come home from these battles, wherever they're fought, be they woman or man, when they come home from these battles and we see that there is something different in their spirit, or maybe they don't come home at all. A sword pierces our heart, does it not? Brothers and sisters, if violence is going to end in our world, and I suspect it never will until the fullness of the kingdom is, is here, but if violence is going to be lessened, can I say that? If violence is going to be lessened in this world, brothers and sisters, we cannot wait for God to do it. Yes, the instigation has to be God's, but God will work through us or it will not happen at all. We cannot turn a blind eye to the violence that happens all around us. And yes, within us as well. And violence will not go away with violence. I talked about Gandhi the other day. I've talked about Martin Luther King previously in, in podcasts, but ultimately they take their, their lessons from Jesus the Christ, who taught that way of nonviolence, who wasn't going to become the violent one in trying to overthrow it, but instead the innocent victim. Brothers and sisters, I want to end not with any of the gospel verses we heard, but with the first reading and, and just the first two lines from it here, maybe three. And it says this. It's from 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. It says, Beloved, the way we may be sure that we know Jesus is to keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in them. But whoever keeps his word the love of God is truly perfected in them. And here's the line I wanted to get to. This is the way that we may know that we are in union with Christ. Whoever claims to abide in him ought to walk just as he walked. Brothers and sisters, there are swords piercing mothers' and fathers' hearts today. We may not be able to stop all of them, but can we stop one? How can we be 
this active, creative resistance to the violence that is happening in our world? How can we name it? How can our eyes be open to it, perhaps first, and then name it? And then perhaps in some way stand up against it by not becoming violence itself. Let's pray. And so, my friends, we continue through the Luminous Mysteries today. And we begin as we begin all things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The third Luminous Mystery, the Proclamation of the Gospel. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, have a wonderful Wednesday, and God's peace be upon you.